We all have monsters in the closet. You have to realize that they are there. You think that you are great. You think that you have passed some sort of line that keeps you, and now you're different. No, the moment that His grace and mercy steps away from you, you're nothing. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in, 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 in church. It doesn't matter how many years you've been serving. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. The moment that His mercy and grace steps away from you for a second, you have everything inside of you to do wicked things just like everybody else. So you have to realize that there are monsters in the closet. Realize that when you look back, there will always be bad things that you can take from or good things that you can take from. So enough with excuses. God bless you. It is a pleasure to speak to your life. I want to tell you that God has great things plan for you, and that these are revealed through His Word. Therefore, I encourage you to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind to hear a powerful word spoken through Pastor Richard Torres. Let's listen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Generations, part three. Generations, part three. As you live your life, you realize that some of the things about you some of the things that defined you, whether this is physical appearance or whether this is just your, your behavior, some of the things that make who you are are similarities that you see all throughout your family, all throughout different generations, ancestors. This may be just behavior. Like, for instance, you may look at your son and say, look at him. He's the same way that I was when I was a kid. I don't know if that's a good thing. Lord, help him. You may look around you and you may see that your child has some of the traits that you saw in your life and some of the traits that you see still in your parents, your mom, your dad. It may be behavior. You see, some of these things that you see are passed down from generation to generation may be behavior. It is definitely beliefs. Beliefs are passed down from one generation to another. Skills. I'm amazed by this one, skills. Because you may think that some of these things happen just because, you know, um, you see it on your parents, so now you're good at it. No, some of that is just in your blood already. It just comes naturally to you. Some of these skills, appearance, some, you know, you look, at, you look at the son and then you look at the dad and they look so alike, you know. It's, it's, it's something serious about these generations, you know, whether they're blessings or curses. Some of these things you may love and embrace. You may be proud to say that, that you're similar to your dad in these aspects of life. It may bring proud into you, like it may, it may make you happy and special, and you may embrace those qualities, right? At the same time, there may be other things that were passed down to you that you hate, that you don't like, that you wish were not there. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. See, some of these areas you may not like at all. The reality is that these patterns that you see in your life may have existed for a while in your family line, Makes, may have existed these tendencies that you may be born with. It's not a coincidence that you see 
a singer, and then you see their children with a tremendous ability to sing. It is not just because they see their parents, which I think it's important, and it is big in this, but it's something in their bloodline that makes it easier for them. It's, it's almost like they're now born with that tendency to go in that direction. It's not just... It's not just the behavior that they see in their parents, but there's something in their blood that now goes in that direction. Same way with drug addiction. Same way with alcohol addiction. Same way with all these things. It's not only that they see. It is also something that they're now are, they're prone to be part of. It's easier for them to go into that path. It's just, it's, it's a tendency. They're they born with this tendency. We are all born with tendencies, meaning our flesh wants to go in, in a specific direction that may not be correct. We all have those things. We're born with those things. You see, in my family, as far as I know, I don't recall ever hearing any conversation of someone having issues with drugs. And it's not a coincidence there is not a tendency in me. There is, my flesh is not pursuing those things. It's, there is no desire for those things. You see, I have other demons that I have to fight against. There are other tendencies that I am aware are falling, and, and you see on grandpa, and then you see on dad, and then you see that there, this, these demons are, are just creeping around and wanting to see an open door so they can walk in and now have a relationship with you. But there is a reality that things are passed down, not just because of behavior, but because our bloodline, they're there. They're passing on from generation to generation. So today I want us to start a path into breaking generational curses. We've been made aware that it is important. It is vital for us to think generationally, to think beyond our circumstances right now, beyond our life, beyond ourselves, and understand that everything that we do has a weight for generations to come. Amen? Amen. So today, we start that path into breaking generational curses in our life. I thought this would be an exciting point. Listen, don't allow, don't allow the rain to bring you down. For all you know right now, it's sunny outside. There's no windows here. And if you're home, you should be watching the, the, the broadcast. You should be watching the service so you don't know what's happening outside. You're concentrated on what's happening. And if you're in the presence of God, let me tell you, it's shiny outside. If you're in the presence of God, it's shiny outside. If you're in the presence of God, it is sunny outside. If you're in the presence of God, there is nothing outside. It doesn't matter what the real circumstances are around you. If you're in the presence of God, while you're in the presence of God, there is nothing that can keep you down. So take advantage of his presence. So you can energize and go outside and fight and fight and fight and fight your reality. Amen. So I want us to look at a life, the life of a man, that I believe we can see good things in this effort to break generational curses. His name is Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. In the book of Chronicles, second book of Chronicles, chapter 17. 
Second Chronicles 17. Are you guys excited about breaking generational curses? I am very excited. I told you before, I believe this is something that God has placed heavy on my heart. Not only for you, which I love serving you, but I believe also in my life that we can see generational things creeping down, chasing you, and that you can stand and say no more. It ends with me. It will not go farther. This is it, devil. This demons will not have access to my children. I will not bring them into my house. In the name of Jesus, it ends with me. So I believe this man has some similarities as you and me. He may not seem that way at first, but I believe that you can relate with him in this fight that we all have. Second Chronicles 17 and 3. Do you have it? Yep. All right, let's read it. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Now I want to pause right there. What do you think comes after that? Let's say that you have not read the rest, which you probably already did, but let's say that you haven't. And you read, now the Lord was with Louis. Now the Lord was with Brian. Now the Lord was with Brad. Now the Lord was with, with Lynn. Now the Lord was with Diego. Now the Lord was, and you fill in the blank. What do you think comes after that? Great things. It can only be great things. Now the Lord was with Joseph. Now the Lord was with Joshua. Now the Lord was with David. Only good things come after that. So keep track of this. Remember this part as we go on. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways. Some versions doesn't say former ways. Say first ways. First ways, which is very similar. Of his father, David, he did not seek the bells. Bells? Bells. He did not seek the bells. Right there. Let's stop right there. Now, and the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Amazing things come with that. You have to understand that. Amazing things can come after that. You know who understood that perfectly? Moses. So well that he said, Lord, if your presence is not going with us, don't lead us anywhere. Don't take us anywhere. I wish that you understand how important and powerful this is. Because you can be in a service with 20 people, with 50 people, or 100 people. And what gives the power to that congregation that can go to a thousands, it's not the number of people. It's not the songs that they sing. It's not how they do things. The, what gives power to any movement, and we sing this is a move, what gives power to any movement is the presence of God. In your house, what gives power to your house is not that you go to church every Sunday. What gives power to your house is that the presence of God is in your household. What gives power to everything around you is His presence. So you have to start paying attention to whether His presence is with you or not. If you are at work and you're having conversations that you shouldn't be having, you bet His presence 
is not there with you. Now we know God is everywhere. We know that. He is in a strip club as well. He's there. Don't be afraid. God is everywhere. Did I say it correctly? Yes, he's right there. As you're getting high, he's right there. What this is talking about is different. Is that God is opening the door for you. God is paving the way for you. God, his presence, his presence is there in your favor, working in your favor. You with me? Mm-hmm. Now, so we're using Jehoshaphat. And there is a part of this verse that may give us the wrong impression of who this man is. And it is, if you would please put the scripture again. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. You may say right away, right there, well, pastor, that's not, that's not something that we can relate because it is a tremendous blessing to be a son of David. I mean, we can't compare with this man. Can you imagine walking with David and, and experiencing the things that he experienced? And hearing about the stories from him, not just reading them in the book, but hearing about the stories from him, talking about the presence of God directly from such a man as David. Well, this is just a play of words because Jehoshaphat was not a son of David. He was probably a great-grandson or great-great-grandson. We'll see in a minute how many greats you need to throw in there. He was a descendant of David, but he was not directly a son of David. So you and I can relate with that. Now, you may think that he's got an advantage on us because of that, but not. He's just a descendant. The second thing is that he's not much different than you and I. You may think being a descendant of David, so close in that bloodline to David, you may think that his life was not as exposed to the things that you and I have been. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. However, that's not the case. I'm going to tell you two things on him. And then we'll see how much we can relate with this man. Let's read it again. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the former ways as his father David. We know that that doesn't give him an advantage. He did not seek the bowels. Bowels? Bales. I'm telling you, too many vowels together. And then you guys change the sound of the vowels depending on how they're, what they're next to. Okay? There's one thing here that caught my eye. And it is the fact that the Bible specifies something about David's, David's ways. Now, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of David, his father. So let's focus on that for a moment. What do you mean the first ways, the former ways? I'm looking at his life and the things that he had done or that he has done or he's trying to do, this is Jehoshaphat, to break generational curses. And so I started doing an exercise as I'm looking at his life of what he did to break from these generational curses and where these generational curses came from. So this exercise consisted in me going back 
in time and trying to find out who opened the door, who did what, so that now he has to break generational curses, right? So I looked at his dad, Asa, 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 his dad. And then I noticed some things about him. So I went a little farther back because it was mixed feelings about it. Then I went a little back to his grandpa, whose name is Abijah, Abijah, A-B-I-J-A-H, Abijah. And I also had the same feeling, mixed feelings. I'm like, I wasn't sure if it was this guy who opened the door. Then I went back a little bit to Roboam. And now he did some bad stuff, but I wasn't so sure that it was because of those things that he did that we were there. Now I'm a little bit farther back, and he came out to Solomon. Now Solomon, I mean Solomon, is the wisest man who ever lived. It's kind of hard to put the blame on him. However, he did some bad stuff as well. So I'm like, but I'm not sure if it was him. So let's go back a little bit. Let's find out about his dad. Who was his dad? David. And I'm like, no, it couldn't have been David. But then I realized, you know what? David also did some wicked stuff. And then I just got tired. And like, if I keep going, I'll never finish my message. So I had to stop right there. I stopped. And I realized a couple of things that I want to share with you with this. Because I had to stop looking. Because everyone had done bad things that would be enough to open a door for the enemy to walk in. This showed me a powerful thing. Because sometimes we look back and try to trace why. Why? We look back and try to find out where it came from, the source. Who did it? Who messed up? Why is it that I am this way? Why is it that I'm struggling with this? Why is it that I can't get rid of this? We look back. So what I got out of it, because there was no ending apparently to my quest, is that it doesn't matter where it started. It doesn't matter how it started. And it doesn't matter who started it. The only thing that matters is that you can break it off in the name of Jesus. You see, when you look back, there will always be good and bad to take from those that came before you. There will always be good and bad to take from your parents. There will always be things that they did wrong. Things that maybe they did to hurt you. And there will always be good things that you will find in there. You will say, Pastor, I don't think so. Look, and you will find good things in there. No amens. There will always be good and bad things that you will find in those that came before you. That includes leaders. Leaders come, and they do right, and they do wrong. Sometimes they... They just simply make mistakes. Sometimes they wrongfully do it purposely. It doesn't matter. There is good and bad. You will see that in this trace. So if you look closely, you will find good or bad. Don't get stuck on people's failures. Listen, when you focus so hard on people's failures... You feel like you have an excuse to not fight against what you have. When you can look beyond what they did wrong 
It seems like it gives you an excuse to mess up. I'm this way. I'm this way. It's not my fault that I am this way. So it must be okay. God must be okay with my behavior. It is not that way. It is not so. So when you look back, you will always find good and bad. We see that in here. Got too excited. I forgot to tell you the first key. The first key. In this endeavor to break generational curses, I want you to be aware of the monsters in your closet. There are monsters in your closet. There are monsters in your closet. I was reading a book, Pastor Houston, Brian Houston, from uh, Hillsong. And I was shocked when I was reading a, a little story from his past. He said some, somewhere around the early 2000s, late 90s, he, got a, he, got, he sat down with his manager, someone important in his corporation, and this man said, we need to talk. It's about your dad. There is accusations of sexual abuse that happened years and years back that he sexually abused a little boy. Now, I don't know these people. I've seen him preach a couple of times. That's all my connection. But it shook me to my core to read this. That a preacher that came to the pulpit and preached and spoke about the things of God and people came to salvation, a guy that loved God will have such a demons to fight with you see, this is a real thing. We all have monsters in the closet. You have to realize that they are there. You think that you are great. You think that you have passed some sort of line that keeps you, and now you're different. No, the moment that his grace and mercy steps away from you, you're nothing. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in, 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 in church. It doesn't matter how many years you've been serving. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. The moment that his mercy and grace steps away from you for a second, I hope God has been speaking to your life through this message. The desire of Bethesda Church and Pastor Richard is to change lives through love, and we are very grateful for the opportunity that this medium allows us to reach multitudes. If you would like to continue listening to more messages from our pastor or to know more about this ministry, look for us online at mybethesda.org or on facebook.com slash mybethesda. Thank you. You have everything inside of you to do wicked things just like everybody else. So you have to realize that there are monsters in the closet. Realize that when you look back, there will always be bad things that you can take from or good things that you can take from. So enough with the excuses. There are bad things. You were dealt a bad hand. You're not the only one. Everyone can look back and say, hey, this was not fair. Hey, this is not good. Hey, I, this is not my fault. Everyone can do that. You look back, there's always good and bad. But here's the other thing that I see in this verse or in this quest that I had for a moment. is that God uses messed up people. God uses messed up people. You know, the Bible says that God is roaming around, looking around 
for people whose heart is after him so that his power can rest on them, can be manifested through them. We'll go through that verse here in a, mo in a moment. God uses regular people. The other thing that I want to highlight in this is that all of these people had something in common. There was something in common. There was good and bad in their journey. Some of them started good, and then they did something wrong and went their own direction. Uh, Roboam started wrong. You know, this is the son of Solomon. The, the kingdom had experienced amazing, amazing prosperity. They were doing so good, but at, towards the end, Solomon was not great. He was not a great king. And so he was, he was taxing the people very high so that he could sustain his lavish lifestyle. So when his son took over the kingdom, the wise men came to him and said, if you want the people to be with you, lower the taxes. Go easy on them. You know what he did? He went to his pals, his friends, and they said, no, you got to be tough. You got to make sure that they respect you. So he did the opposite. And you know what? He caused a division, a separation. It now became two different nations. Now, however, he did some good things. He continued with the sacrifices. And for like three years, the people were experiencing blessings because they were going after God. And then everything went to the drain. So what they had in common is that they all had good moments and bad moments. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and from through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Let's read it again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and from through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. I love this because you may not be a descendant of David. It doesn't matter. God is roaming around. He's going around looking for someone whose heart belongs to him so that he can do good to him, so that he can bless him, so that he can do amazing things through him. That is great news for every one of us because that's where breaking generational curses starts in our heart, that we go after God. When he sees that, he comes and he shows himself strong so that we can see now his power manifested. So uh, back to Jehoshaphat. He had monsters in the closet. I don't know if you know this or not, but chapter 15, same book. Verse 16 has an interesting verse in there I want to share with you. 15, verse 16. Also he removed Maka, the mother of Asa. Maka, the mother, I don't know if that has to be pronounced it. Again, two letters together. <laughs> Maka? 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 I, I, also he removed Maka, the mother of Asa, the king from being queen mother because she had made what? An obscene image of Asura. And Asa cut down her obscene image. You know who this woman is? That's Jehoshaphat's grandmother. She was a witch. She was wicked. She was evil. I'm telling you, there were monsters in his closet as well. There was plenty of bad where he could, where he could pull from. But he chose God. He chose God. 
He chose to put his, his heart after God. So number one, realize that there are monsters in the closet. That is inevitable. They're there. And they will ask you to renew vows with them. Let's get back together. Let's go back to our old ways. Monsters are in the closet. But what do you do? You choose. You choose God. Let's see three things that he did. What I mean by choosing God. Three things that he did. 17, verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Abram, which Asa, his father, had taken. Can you see this image? He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. Three things that you got to do to start breaking generational curses. Number one is secure your borders. Protect your borders. This guy was about to unleash a prosperity, a blessing, a powerful season for this people of Judah. How? Number one, he protected the borders, secure the borders. Right away, as a king, I love this, right away, the first thing that you hear about him is that he, he secured the borders. He made sure that the enemy didn't have any openings to come in. It's difficult to fight when the enemy just has free access to you. It's difficult to focus on your children, to focus on your marriage, when the enemy has free access to you. No wonder it's so difficult to deal with the problems that we have around. Because our borders are open. The enemy comes and goes as he pleases. The first thing that he did is secure the borders. If you are to break generational curses, you need to look around your life for areas where the enemy has easy access. A cell phone may be one of those. A cell phone may be an area in which the enemy has easy access to you. There may be some apps. You know, just going directly, being at front with you. There are some apps that I don't understand why a Christian should have. There are some apps that I don't understand why you should get involved with. Let's just stop right there before millennials hate on me. I wish it was just millennials. But now, just about anybody can swipe, can go here, can go there. So, look for areas where the enemy has access and fortify those. What kind of areas would this be? How about relationships? Relationships could be one of those areas where the enemy has access to you. Bad friendships, bad habits. Look around. And close the borders, secure the borders. You need to keep some things out. Keep them out. You need to keep some people away from your life. But I've been friends with them for 10 years. Yeah. Well, you leave that door open then. That's fine. Leave that door open and continue to deal with the consequences of the enemy coming into your house. Close the door. Secure the borders. Let me tell you why 
we need borders, why they are important, which is was my, but it was not. I heard, I think his name is Charlie Kirk or something like that. He was uh, defending why we need borders to be secure. And I love this part of it. They separate good ideas from bad ideas. Borders are where bad ideas end and good ideas begin. You separate. This is how we live. A border allows you to say everything within this border lives this way. Everything with these parameters will function this way. If outside of that they live differently, it doesn't matter. It doesn't apply to me. Inside this border, this is how we live. They separate good ideas from bad ideas. Borders in your light determine what comes in, determines what becomes part of you. Borders in your life Secure borders determine what becomes part of you and what doesn't. Not everything that comes your way is good. You need borders. You need checkpoints. Serious, you need checkpoints. Not every word that comes into your life is the word that you should receive. It doesn't matter if the person giving it to you has a Bible in his hand. Not every word is the word that you need to have. Not every relationship Okay, it doesn't matter if there are smiles or not, not every relationship, not every idea, you need to protect your borders. How do you protect your borders? Right here. With his word. That's how you protect your borders, with his word, with his word. which takes me to the second thing that he did in this endeavor of breaking generational curses. Verse 7, same chapter, verse 7 and verse 9, 17. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, and he describes all of them, the names. Verse 8, and with them he sent Levites, and then the names right there. What were they doing? Verse 9, so they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went through all the cities of Judah and taught the people. So number one, you secure the borders. Number two, you go back to the word. You go back to the word. I think we all are guilty of this. We minimize what this is and what this does. I think we're all guilty of that. We get stressed. We struggle through things, and we ask somebody, we call somebody, we talk to somebody else, and the last place that we look is right here. Not realizing that this should be the first place that you look, and you will avoid a lot of heartache, a lot of headache. You will avoid a lot of difficulties if you start here. It is amazing what His Word does to us. You read it in the morning, And amazing things happen when you do that. You see, to me, it's not just inspirational, but it's powerful. It really has the ability to change your mindset, which as a consequence can change everything around you. It is important that you get back to the Word. If you're going to break generational curses, you need to know what this book is about. You need to know what God is about. You need to understand about the character of God. You need to know the God 
that you serve. Hear about his character, his will, his love, his plans for you. You need to get back to the word. You know what's a good place to start? Wednesdays. Wednesdays is a good place to start. It's a Bible study. Listen, I know it's been challenging. We had our format before the pandemic. We switched to a different format during the pandemic. And now that the pandemic is over, we're switching back to another format, right? And so you may think, you know what? It's, it's been difficult. We've been watching online. You can now come. You can now come. I don't know if you know this, but a week ago or two weeks ago, there was a fight, boxing fight in the Cowboy Stadium. And they, they, they were very strict with space uh, social distancing. They were very strict with those things. I mean, the capacity of the stadium is probably, what, 100, 90,000, 80,000 people maybe, something like that? 100,000, okay. And social distancing only allowed for 75,000 people. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. There was no social distancing. As far as I could see on the highlights or whatever, I didn't see many masks either. So if you're saying that you're still worried about this and that, listen, we're getting back to normality. We're doing most of the things that we normally do already. So Wednesdays, it's a great opportunity for you to come and get back into the work and ask questions as the teacher, as the preacher is speaking. If you have a question, you ask a question. Why is it that that happened? And if they can answer it during the class, they will get with you after class. But get back into the Word. It is important that you learn the Word of God. Very important. Let me tell you how powerful and how important it is that you learn that. Joshua 1 and 8. This is God's advice to you if you're going into your promised land. If you're going after God's promises, this is God's advice to you. Joshua 1 8. This book, what book? This book right here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. I love this next part. For then God will make you. Does it say God? Does it say God? For then God? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Listen, when this is what governs your life, when this is how you live your life, there's automatic blessings that come to you. Just like natural laws, spiritual laws work the same way. Listen, if you eat and you eat healthy and you stay active, right, you work and you sleep, you probably will have a good life. If you eat healthy, okay, not if you eat burgers every day of your life, if you eat healthy, you stay active, okay, and you sleep well, you probably will have a good life. That's in the natural. Those are laws. It works that way. The spiritual is the same way. If you stay connected with this book, if you, if you proceed to please God in everything that he says, everything that he does, everything that he is, you will have an amazing life. I'm not saying pain-free. I'm not saying struggle-free. I'm saying an amazing life life. Go back to the Word. The Word is where the beginning, excuse me, 
the word needs to be the beginning of your inspiration. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word needs to be the foundation of your truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Listen, the foundation of your truth needs to be the word, not what your parents said about you. You were a mistake. You know, we didn't have Netflix back then, so there you are now. No, the truth, the foundation of your truth is not what your parents said. It's not what people say about you. It's not what people called you. The foundation of your truth is what God says about you. Amen. And number three, the third thing that he did, and we're closing with this one. Um, where are we on time? I really want to encourage you to continue with this series and come next Sunday. Connect next Sunday. We're finishing the series next Sunday. It is Pentecost. Let's believe that God will do something amazing. I want us to have an amazing altar and lay it all in there and allow God to break generational curses. Listen, I do believe one word is all you need for something to be broken in your life. So we're going to close strong. I'm going to finish today's message and make an invitation if somebody needs to come to the altar. But I'm already encouraging you to be here next Sunday as we close this series. The third thing that I want to tell you that he did is found in verse 6, 17, verse 6. In 2 Chronicles 17. So we know that he secured the borders. We know that he ordered everyone to get back into the word. And number three, verse six, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, help me with moreover. Give me another word. Moreover. Even more. Give me another word. More importantly. Give me another word. More determinant. He removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. I believe these things in the right order can be so powerful in your life to break generational curses. You secure the borders. Don't allow the enemy to keep coming into your life. Change that channel. Get rid of that subscription. Delete that app. Cancel that friendship. Whatever you need to do. You know now that we live in this cancel, cancel culture? Cancel cult, culture? Cancel culture? Why don't you cancel some of these relationships that are not good for you? Why don't you cancel some of these shows that are not good for you? Why don't you cancel some of these things? Okay. Secure the borders. Okay, number two. What's number two? Secure the borders. Get back to the word. And number three, remove the high places. Remove the high places. This sounds logic. Now that you have secured the borders, the enemy is not coming in just like whatever he wants to. You come back to the word. There's been revelation in your life about the high places that were there. So now you remove them. Remove them. What are high places? Idols. Places of worship. What else? What are high places? These are things that you honor these are 
high places, important places for you that occupy God's place in your life, high places. You know, when, when the pandemic in the beginning of the beginning stages of this thing where, where they closed the country and all of that, I remember a comment. I don't know if it was Miriam or somebody else who did that. She said, we're rededicating our altars to you, God. Meaning, family rooms with a huge TV there that were dedicated for other entertainment, were dedicated for movies and shows that don't necessarily honor God. Now we're being dedicated to God. Now that God was taking priority in those living rooms and we were worshiping and praying and doing all these things. You see, high places are those things around you that take priority in your life, that are important to you, that God has no room in them. There is a conflict between who he is and what you do in those places. That is a high place. This place that you get into that God is not allowed to go in, that he cannot go in because of the nature of that place. That is a high place. What they're referring in here in, in, in some of these cases were sacred prostitution places. High places. Get rid, remove, destroy the high places. Destroy high places. Now, as I was looking through my earlier quest of finding out where this curse came, I realized one thing. That's what I told you. They all did good things and also bad things. One of the things that I realized is that in chapter 14, verse 3, we are made aware of something that brings a little bit of a question in what I just shared with you. 14 verse 3. This is now speaking about Asaph, his dad, Jehoshaphat, okay, his dad. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. Now, his dad, the previous king, did that. And now we find Jehoshaphat dealing with the same demons that his dad dealt with. What happened here? How is it that these altars are now in need to be destroyed again? Did they themselves pick up the pieces and put together? No. There's only two explanations to why Jehoshaphat had to do something that had already been done. Number one is that Asaph did not destroy all of them. He left some of them. In there be careful be careful because there are some high places that people can see from outside that a good Christian will always clear away there are other high places that people are not able to see from the outside be careful on only removing some of the high places in your life look around find them and destroy every high place in your life the second thing that I, that I can think of, of why now Jehoshaphat has to deal with the same thing, may not be because he didn't destroy all of them. Maybe they were all destroyed, but maybe to a point that where they could be rebuilt again. You know, it's like when, when you get rid of some things that, that you said, God, I'm never going back to this. You get rid of them, and then instead of completely burning them with fire, you put them in the garage behind a couple of boxes. So apparently you destroyed an altar, but you didn't really. You know, you have it within reach, so you can go back 
and get it later on. Because who knows when you're going to feel blue in a rainy day. Who knows when you're going to feel bad and mad. Who knows when you're going to be upset and you need something to take it on. Who knows when you're going to need an excuse of why you behave the way that you behave. So, maybe you didn't remove them all. Or maybe you lost focus and you build them back again. I'm closing with this. Would you please stand? I was having a conversation yesterday with Pastor Brian Cisneros. Not yesterday, the day before. You know, it's always a blessing to talk to people of God. Always a blessing. And as I was talking to him, there was this word that came to my mind. Rhythms of life. Rhythms of life. These people, David, Solomon, you read, and they all started good, going after God. And then you know what happens? The rhythms of life come around. You say, God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. And you mean it. Who in here, in the altar, comes to God and says, God, I'm going to give you everything and fakes it? I mean, don't you know that God knows your thoughts? No, we mean it, right? We come here and we mean it. We go after Him. And we go hard for a week, for two weeks, for three weeks. We come back from men's camp on fire. And that lasts about a month. And then the rhythms of life hit us. What I mean by that is life changes all the time. There is always a new variable that comes into your life. It's always something different. And if you're not careful, these things will move your focus away from God. It's life. It's not something evil that you're doing. It's just the rhythms of life come. And you have to find yourself fighting again to get focus. To understand that regardless of what happens around you, how life changes, you were created for one thing. And one day, it may be simple to do that one thing. The next day, it may be very challenging to do that one thing. The next day may be a little bit easier. The next day may seem impossible to do what you were created to do. But listen, don't allow the rhythms of life to keep you away from what God created you to be. You will break generational curses. But you have to secure your borders. You have to get back into the Word. And you have to remove these altars. Stay focused. Let's bow our heads. And if you need to come to the altar, if there are high places in your life that are not destroyed yet, let's start in the altar. There's a song, The Refiner. You've heard that song? If the altar is where you meet us, that's what it says. Take me there. Lord, if the altar is where you meet me, take me there. And help me burn these high places. Help me destroy these things that keep me away from you. Help me burn these things that distract me from who you are. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Listen, if you need to come to the altar, come to the altar. Start burning those high places. 
And don't allow the rhythms of life to shift your focus. Listen, believe this. You will be the one that will break generational curses. It ends with you. Get it in your head. It ends with you. It ends with you. It ends with you. Be, be like the mom, the mother of Moses, who didn't needed a word, a prophecy from God about her son to fight, to pursue, to do what she needed to do and change generations to come. So you may not have gotten a word from God that says you're the one that is going to break generational curses. Well, guess what? You go in that direction and start closing the borders. Start securing the borders. Start going back into the Word. Receive the revelation that God has in store for you. And when you realize that there are high places in your life, burn them down. Destroy them. Get rid of them. And don't go back there. Father, I bless these people today. I bless your church. This beautiful church. This beautiful congregation. God, help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I say, church, there will be generational curses destroyed in this season. In the name of Jesus, I declare generational curses, God, being destroyed. God, we're seeking you. We're going after you. Move in this place. Move in this place, Lord. Father, I worship you and I thank you for what you are, for who you are, for what you do, for everything, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope you have enjoyed this message. And if one day you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to visit, our address is 71001 Airport Freeway, Richland Hills, Texas, 76118. We would love to meet you. If you have any requests and would like for us to pray for you, you can call us at 817 427-0010 and leave a voice message. Contact us and let us know your comments. Once again, you can give us a call at 817-427-0010 or write us an email to info at mybethesda.org.